We are often tempted to chase satisfaction through a pursuit of having more. Our flesh-driven culture allures the affection of our hearts to desire the material comforts of this world rather than desiring more of God. Today on Bloom, we'll discuss how our contentment is not a matter of what we have or don't have, but instead a matter of our heart. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for April 2nd, 2021. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with each other and the Lord. I'm so glad that you're tuning in today. And if this is your first time listening to Bloom, you can find more podcasts on the platform you're currently using. And I would really encourage you to check them out and even share with a friend that you think will also be blessed by the message. Also, if you're looking for ways to stay current on what's happening with Grace Women or how to connect, check out our webpage at gracecma.org women. The latest podcast is there, the ministry blog, and other events taking place. And one event in particular coming up that I would like to highlight is a men's and women's spring conference happening at Grace Church, our Middleburg Heights campus, on Saturday, May 22nd called Encounter. The women's portion is from 3 to 5 p.m. and the men's is from 6 to 8 p.m. with time for fellowship in between. The conference is called Encounter because it's a time for us to encounter God, maybe in a new way or a fresh way. And for women, we are going to hear from four different speakers on four women in the Bible and how we encounter God's character in their stories. Now for the men's portion, theirs will also be similar, but with four different men speakers focusing on four men in the Bible. This is a free event and registrations are open, so I would encourage you to register online, invite a friend or two, give your husband an elbow nudge and have him attend the men's portion, and maybe even encourage your adult children to come. To register, you can go to gracecma.org. To make navigation easy, you can simply type the word encounter in the search bar and it will pull up the conference information and the registration link. You won't want to miss this opportunity to encounter God. We'd love to see you there. So today we're diving into part one of a two-part series on the topic of contentment. And I have to say that this one recently hit home for me, literally, and you'll understand more in a moment as to why. It's something God was definitely doing in my heart. Now, over the past several weeks, Pastor Jonathan has been preaching a series on finances. And he mentioned a formula for financial peace, which is what led me to this topic. And he said, contentment plus margin equals peace. Now, as I was meditating on this equation, I was really drawn to the contentment piece of the equation. According to Webster, contentment is defined as the quality or state of being contented. Now, to be more specific, the definition of contented is feeling or showing satisfaction with one's possessions, status, or situation. Now, for those of you who may not know this part of my story, once Jesse and I were married, we had to overcome what felt like an enormous range of obstacles to own a home. If you know me, it's no secret that ever since I was a little girl, God had given me a love of home. And one of my favorite toys when I was younger was this Little Tykes dollhouse. 
It had this powder blue roof and it came with all these clunky furnishings. It really wasn't that attractive of a house, but I loved it nonetheless. Um, I remember even there was no separation from the inside of the house and the driveway. So when you would pull the car into the driveway and step out of the car with your little people, you would be standing in the living room. Now, my favorite part of the house, though, was in the living room because it had a floor that could be pulled back to uncover a pool. Technically, it was just a shiny aqua colored paper, but I still thought it was amazing. And, you know, also, even as a little girl, decorating and keeping my room clean was important to me. Between me and my siblings, I was the one who kept my room spotless. My mom never had to get on me like she did my brother and sister. It was my personal piece of home, and I wanted to take care of it. And I distinctly remember always dreaming of the day I would have a whole house of my own to take care of. Having a home was one of my deepest longings when I got married, to have a home for my family. I wanted a place to celebrate birthday parties and host Bible studies. I wanted a backyard for my kids to hunt for Easter eggs in the spring and run around in the sprinkler on a hot summer day. I wanted a dining table to host Thanksgiving gatherings and paint our kids' rooms their favorite color. Now, I'm not going to list all the chronological events that delayed us from owning a home, but for years, it was absolutely heartbreaking for me to wonder when a house would stop being just a dream and become real. Throughout our marriage, we had lived in tiny, rundown apartments. We had spent time living with family, and we rented a house But none of these were ours to claim as our own. From the time my son was a baby, each afternoon as I would rock him to sleep for his nap, I dedicated that time petitioning to the Lord to give my family our own house. And I can still hear the creaking of the rocking chair, and I can recall just shielding my son from a shower of tears landing in his soft baby wisps of hair. Long story short, after years of prayers, my long-awaited dream was finally delivered on a rainy October day in 2015. I still remember when I woke up that morning on moving day, I was like a kid on Christmas morning. If you could just imagine for a moment the movie A Christmas Story. So Ralphie was begging his parents for months for a BB gun that he thought he might never get. And this is how I felt often when I would pray for a house. Would I ever really get it? If you can remember the extreme disappointment Ralphie felt when he opened up his pink bunny costume present, I felt like that, like I had lived in a slew of disappointing pink bunny costumes, so to speak, and I was ready for what I had been pleading to God for all those years. Now fast forward, we're a little more than five years later in our home, And Jesse and I recently were beginning to have conversations on the idea of moving. Our kids are getting older, and the house wasn't exactly growing with them. Everyone was telling us, with growing kids, we need a house with more space and definitely a master bath. Our kids will be teenagers in the blink of an eye, and we were unindated with the horror stories of not having our own bathroom. And it was this very frightening persuasion that spiraled into other concepts that we began to entertain. Maybe I could have that entryway staircase that I've always loved. You know, the kind that spirals downward with the beautiful banister. 
Jesse could have a home office to display his collection of football helmets because Lord knows they weren't exactly going on the fireplace mantle. Not on this side of heaven, anyway. We thought, wouldn't entertaining guests be more functional if we had more room than our narrow galley kitchen? And for someone like me who loves to cook and bake, what a dream an island would be when hosting Thanksgiving gatherings. I could feel how enamored I was with the idea of a new house and just how suddenly my persistently prayed for three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath blessing was quickly beginning to no longer measure up. The problem I soon discovered, though, was not our house. It was our hearts. We had more than we needed, yet we wanted more. After all, a master bath couldn't promise happiness. It might make mornings a little more convenient. But as I contemplated convenience, I couldn't help but wonder, do we search for true contentment and convenience or Christ? Do we cling too quickly for the conveniences and luxuries of this life? Paul warns us of this very thing in 1 Timothy I'm going to read Paul's instructions in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it and follow along with me. We're going to begin in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul gets right to the point here, doesn't he? Verse 7, it says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I want to make sure I'm clarifying that this is not an attempt to condemn you if you have a master bath or a kitchen island. That is not the point here. There is no sin in having modern amenities. But according to Paul, if we have clothes and food, we really technically have all we need. But it's kind of hard for that way of thinking to translate into our modern Western culture that feeds us with the concept that we never have enough and the end goal is to always obtain more. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to preach that if you have food and clothes, you have all you need. But it was interesting to me as I kind of began to study this concept of everyone telling me that, oh, you need a master bath. Did you know that master bathrooms didn't become common in new constructed houses until the 1980s? And statistically, family sizes have lessened over the years. So what did families from decades ago do? I mean, how did they survive? And I say that jokingly because they didn't know any different. The neighbors didn't have a master bath, and there was no HGTV master bath remodel special. And so I'm willing to bet that most people weren't discontent about it. You know, I love looking at my grandparents as a reference for how they lived. They lived a pretty simple life. They were a blue-collar couple who raised two kids in a three-bedroom, one-bath bungalow, and they lived there all their lives. And I never once felt that they were unhappy with what they had. And I'm looking at our situation. Here my family is, the same family size, and we're considering adding a much heftier mortgage, adding more debt on our plate, just so we could have certain conveniences. So what God was really leading me through this journey was challenging me and tugging at my heart to really see what am I putting my my hope in and what am I finding my joy in 
And how can I just be satisfied with what he's already given me? You know, God blesses us with the resources he's provided. And there is nothing wrong with enjoying what he has blessed us with. But where the problem comes in, the destruction, as Paul states, is when we fall into temptation and harmful desires. Now, it may not necessarily seem harmful to desire things like a master bath or a kitchen island, but if these things begin to occupy the spaces of our hearts more than we long after God, if we misplace our joy in things over Christ, we meet discontentment. And it's in discontentment we are at risk of spiritually self-destructing. It's easy to lose sight of what we've been given when we focus our attention on what we feel is missing in our lives. Oftentimes we discover God has already given us more than we could need or deserve. I came across this short story I wanted to share as I think it speaks to contentment in the sense that when we get too caught up in thinking we're somehow missing out on more, we soon discover we're much more blessed than we realize. This story is called The Unhappy Farmer. The unhappy farmer complained about the lake on his property that always needed to have the fish thinned out. The rolling hills made it more difficult for him to run the fence rows. Sometimes he couldn't see the cows because they had so much territory to cover. At night it was so dark it was hard to walk from the barn back to his house. He decided to sell the place and move somewhere really nice. He called a real estate agent and made plans to sell his property. A few days later, he picked up the local paper looking for a new place to live. His eye caught an ad for a lovely country home in an ideal location, quiet and peaceful. It had soft rolling hills, a pristine lake stocked with bass, a classic barn surrounded by natural flowers and soft grass, and came complete with a wonderful herd of black Angus cows. It was just close enough to a small town to be convenient, but far enough out to be uncluttered by city lights, traffic, and noise. He read the ad a second and then a third time before realizing the real estate agent had given her description of the place he currently owned. He called her and told her to cancel the ad. He said, I've changed my mind. I've been looking for a place like this all my life. Now, this story resonated with me so much, and not just because I grew up in a rural farmland area, but how quickly we forget what we do have. We focus on what we don't have or what someone else has, and we are deceived into a pit of discontent, and we're disillusioned to believe we can't be satisfied apart from having those things we long for. You know, even when I take a step back and I think about the time we spent in the tiny rundown apartment, you know, that rundown apartment looks pretty desirable for someone who may be currently living in their car. My home right now might be desirable for someone living in a tiny rundown apartment. And even though I received what I desperately wanted for so long ago, it took less time for me to become discontent with it and to desire more than it did for all those years that I prayed for it. The problem is not that we don't have enough. We can't look around to find joy. We have to examine the roots of our hearts and ultimately realize our issue is not that we lack in having things, but we lack in having true contentment found only in Christ. 
Even if we lack in things, we are always generously wealthy in him. When we misplace our joy in those other things, we will continue to accumulate, continue to search, but never find lasting, authentic contentment. Because contentment doesn't require more things, it requires more of Christ. In a time where we scroll through the highlight reels of others' lives on social media and we see the vacations, the new house, the new car, the new outfit, suddenly we question the state of our own happiness. But we can choose to succumb to the downward spiral of comparison or we can choose to walk the path of contentment. As we listened to others about what our house should have, I was slowly becoming just like that unhappy farmer. The very things I had prayed for were now not enough. And they will never be enough. Because you see, we were not created to find our joy in things. We were created to find our joy in our creator, the owner. If we really believe God owns it all, and we are his managers, his stewards, then everything he has given us to be used are primarily for his purposes, not for our own pleasures anyhow. In our family situation, I realized I don't need a kitchen island to open my home to others. I don't need a master bath in order to better serve my family. That grand entryway staircase isn't the ladder to heaven. Having these things don't serve a greater purpose. So how could I expect to find contentment in them? So we can choose to either place our contentment in things or we can choose to place our contentment in Christ. And I will say only one of those choices promises a good return. I want you to ask yourself this question. If you woke up tomorrow with only what you thanked God for today, what would you have? It really places some perspective on how much we have been given by God and how much we can utilize what we have been given to better glorify him. God desires to have our hearts. He wants us to long for him alone. He is a jealous God that doesn't want to share our affections with things, things that won't follow us into eternity and things that hold no everlasting value. And maybe you're listening and thinking you are grateful and satisfied with what you have, but are dissatisfied with where you're at. Perhaps you're longing for a new season of life, waiting for that difficult trial to end, or praying for a new career position. Next time on Bloom, we'll discuss how contentment can still be found even when our circumstances don't match our desires. Keep growing, and God bless. 